Welcome to Con Café for Monday, the 20th day of June, year of our Lord 2022. As I'm recording this in the final hours of Father's Day, I hope all the dads out there had a great day. I certainly did. I thank God for blessing me with our four beautiful daughters. Thank God for giving me the wife that gave me the girls. And our girls for the six awesome, beautiful, talented uh, grandkids that we have. I got to see almost all of them and uh, was blessed that I got some very nice gifts, but more importantly, I had some quality time with, with Nellie and, and uh, three of my girls and five of my grandkids. And the incredible thing, the meal that Nellie prepared for me today, <clears throat> my doctor doesn't listen, so he won't read about it, but his wife might tell him <laughs> what I had for for Father's Day meal. But uh, it was great. Thank you, Nelly. I am blessed, and I will need to start running again mañana early <laughs> in the morning. I hope you had a great uh, day in worship, either online or at home, or however you chose to worship God. I pray that was a blessing to you. Uh, we were blessed to see uh, our pastor and the Vacation Bible School program online with uh, kids from Gonzales, which seemed awesome. Sermon was awesome, too. Our pastor started a, a series on the book of Ruth, which is incredible. Good first sermon. Thank God for it. But we're going to talk about Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. And as is our custom on Mondays, we like looking at the New International Version of the Bible. And the devotional is called The Cost of Discipleship. And you'll see what that's all about as I read the text and as I share with you my thoughts on this very powerful uh, passage of the Lord Jesus Christ and his talking about God's kingdom, the work involved, and just what price will we pay if we say, yes, I will follow you, Lord Jesus, and I will do, I will go, wherever you send me. So, let's hear the word of God, beginning with verse 51. Okay, I caught myself in an error. I had initially thought I'll just concentrate on verses 57 to 62, and I adjusted it on the print version, but went back and thought, no, we need to look at the whole passage recommended for this coming Sunday. So I'm starting with verse 51. It's Monday, there's my first of many mistakes that I will make this week, but onward and upward. As the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, I love that word, set out for Jerusalem, resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and the disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But this other man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This, dear friends, is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, Thanks be to God. Well, friends, as we have come to know the ministry of Jesus and all that was involved in it, it seemed that the opposition that Jesus encountered never ended. It just seemed to be a series of nonstop obstacles and challenges that his enemies posed to him to try to trick him or trap him. And even today, the Lord Jesus encounters a lot of opposition. We, as his disciples, sometimes encounter opposition as well because of our beliefs or our stances on different things. And Luke, as he's writing this gospel, shares how the time was drawing near for Jesus to return home to heaven, and he's making his way toward Jerusalem. His plans were to spend the night in a Samaritan village, and he sends these messengers on ahead. But the people in that village did not want to welcome Jesus because he was bound for Jerusalem. Some other versions read that Jesus was not of a mind intent of uh, in getting to Jerusalem, meaning they could tell he was not fully going to engage them that lived in this Samaritan village because he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He had much to do in Jerusalem. He was ready to do it. And so the people knew this, one, one theory. And so they didn't want Jesus in that village. The other one could have been just the whole racial tension between Samaritans and Jews. And they were saying, well, since he's going to Jerusalem, which is their capital city, let him go on ahead. We don't need him here even for a night or two. But... <clears throat> It's interesting that the disciples in both versions of this passage have the same response. They hear the village doesn't want to welcome Jesus. Let's call down fire from heaven to destroy this village. Or do you want us to call down? It's interesting. The disciples have the power to call down fire from heaven to utterly destroy this one village. The question is, did they have the passion to forgive this village for the stance they had taken? See, power is, is not necessarily good in and of itself, especially when you want to use it for evil or for death. And here Jesus has to turn and rebuke these two guys and to tell them, don't be so trigger happy as our little sheep friends on the print version of the cartoon for today that I put on the print version of Con Cafe. They say, James and John sure were uh, trigger happy. And they were. 
And so we, we also say, you know, were they not paying attention? You know, they, they said, man, we got this power. We should use it. We should wipe this village out. We'll show them what for. But that wasn't Jesus' message. And so you say, well, weren't they paying attention? Weren't they understanding Jesus was all about life and saving people for the kingdom of God and building up the kingdom of God, not destroying the enemies of the kingdom of God. So, again, I have to point out, no man in any group in on any page of the Bible ever attain perfection. The closest two that we can say, well, maybe, maybe not, was Enoch and Elijah. Both men didn't experience earthly death. Enoch walked so closely with God that one day he was no more because he kept walking with God and just walked right into heaven. And Elijah, well, he got that uh, uber of fire <laughs> to come and take him. And uh, Elisha got to see that and just was blown away by what he got to, to witness. But even then, the case can be made that the only perfect person in the Bible is Jesus, okay? So James and John never claimed to be perfect. And uh, one of the things that did stick out to me is their loyalty and commitment to Jesus. And we can't question that. And I think their response for some sort of divine retribution was based on that emotional connection and that commitment that they had for Jesus. And so they thought, that's the least we can do to show these ungrateful, unwelcoming people and let's send them to another life by destroying them. But as we read, Jesus rebukes them and leads them to another village. Now, on the way to this new village, a man either was approaching Jesus or had been walking with Jesus. And I can almost venture to guess that this man had been in the audience of some, if not all, of Jesus' sermons and teachings in that area. This man had heard the gospel and knew that the gospel came with an invitation come follow me. That was how Jesus invited the original 12, come follow me. And the man probably heard the gospel and heard that invitation in whatever context that was shared. And so he probably had been thinking about it and, and wondering and reflecting, what does this mean to follow Jesus? What will that get me? Will it be hard or easy to follow Jesus? And the more that he thought about it, the more that it seemed plausible that maybe, just maybe, he would follow this itinerant rabbi. And so with this thought in mind, as he's walking along with Jesus, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, this man might have thought, well, this is an opportunity to see new places. This man is going places. And if I hitch my wagon to his, I may just see and do things that I won't see if I just stay here in this podunk town where I live and probably keep doing for the rest of my life, however short or long it will be, the same thing day in and day out. This guy's going to see and experience wonderful things. 
And if he was bound for political reign, wow, yes, I want to go with Jesus and be part of whatever court he says, sets up, you know, whatever kingdom he sets up. But he probably thought it's good to see new places, and I'm open to that. But Jesus knows that he probably hasn't really thought about what this entailed in terms of him saying yes to Jesus. This was not a tour that would take him from Holiday Inns to Ramadas. It was not even a tour on the camping level. It was sleeping under the trees and under the stars. Whatever the weather brought, that's what they face. Think back the storms they had at sea. Jesus sound asleep, the others freaking out because they th were thinking we're going to die. And yet, he thought, yeah, I'll say yes. But notice what Jesus said. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, you come follow me, you may be sleeping on the ground. You may be sleeping on a, on a boat. You may be experiencing storms like you've never experienced in your life. Then there was the other man who received Jesus' invitation, follow me. And the man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And at first reading, as I was young, I thought, well, that's, that's logical. You know, if he's got a dead body at home, let him go and take part in that funeral and, and final goodbye to his father. But the more I thought about it and read about it, you know, there were some scholars that interpreted this as being a cultural reference, meaning, Lord, let me first go and spend the last years that my dad has left on this earth with him so that when his time comes, I will have been with him, I will have learned more from him, I will have been able to love him more and be loved more by him and then say goodbye in a proper way. And then I'll come and be a part of whatever traveling ministry you would have me be a part of. Jesus responds, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't necessarily turn him down, but he said, you've got work to do. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the good news. Share it in whatever way God tells you to do it. Go and share it. Then another person said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. To which Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In that one sentence, Jesus makes them recollect being a farming community that plowing was serious work. And as the horse or donkey or mule or whatever is around pulling this plow, you must guide it. You must pay attention to the direction that this plow is going because if you turn back you're not fit for service either as a farmer or as a disciple because you're not giving it the full attention that you should and that's why Jesus said no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God friends when I went to seminary it was in the mid 70s and my dormitory and several other dormitories were filled with 20-somethings, mostly men. There were some women there, but mostly 20-something-year-old men. Uh, 
And the average age at that time entering professional ministry in the United Methodist Church was about 25, 26, or 27. Some years later, when our youngest, Caitlin, wanted to visit SMU, I was shocked, but not surprised, that my former cemetery, cemeteries, <laughs> that gave it away, seminary dorm was now a self-contained freshman dorm, meaning all classes, meals, etc., washing, drying, all everything was done within the confines of that dorm. I don't know completely how that worked, and I don't even know to this day how it may have survived or not survived. But the reality was that um, my dorm was no longer needed for 20-year-old seminarians. Other dorms were not needed for 20-year-old seminarians. Some of those dorms were converted to married, married student housing, and not all of those married students were seminarians. And the reality was, at that time, when we were getting that tour of SMU, the average age of persons entering professional ministry was no longer 25 or 26. It was 58 years old. You heard right, 58. And it calls to mind what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 14. Many are called, few are chosen. See, what had happened or is still happening. Many people were still receiving a call at a point of their life when they weren't ready. I don't know what the dynamics were, but when I was 20 years old, well, even younger than, than 20, I received my call into ministry. So I was in my early 20s as I was preparing to be in ministry because I had heard the call and I said yes, eventually, and decided to, to go and train and be prepared to be a minister. But for some reason, others weren't ready. It could have been financial, it could have been familial, it could have been emotional, and it could have been spiritual. They weren't quite ready yet, so they delayed their entrance into seminary and into professional ministry. But I thank God for all who have served God and all that are still serving God in whatever way they feel that God is leading. But the Lord says to these men and women who approached him that once in ministry, Full attention and concentration must be given to kingdom work, or their work will be in vain. And this holds true for those not in full-time professional ministry, but who serve the Lord in various capacities as lay people. Give it your all. Give it your full attention. Give it your full love. Let it be your passion to serve the Lord. Friends, the work is so urgent and needed that we must give it our all as soon as we can. Let's pray. Loving Father, bless our work by giving us the passion and the energy we need to make disciples for you in any and all ways that we can. Allow us to devote full concentration and attention and energy and strength to completing the task at hand, to making believers of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Grant to us what we need to win more souls for you. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Dear friend, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this ministry. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and uh, prepare you for the day. Here's your assignment. Besides having a great and blessed day in the Lord, show joy when you share faith. Receive my blessings and joy and peace. I'm Pastor Radio Alverde. Again, I say may the Lord bless you and keep you. Please know how much I love you and how much I thank God for you. Amen. Mm -hmm.